Welcome back to Berengia. Today's episode is going to be, well, different. Actually, very different. So this is the first solo episode that we're debuting, and the reason why is because I am now on a different continent from my co-host, and we are still sorting things out, but in an attempt to keep my sanity and also update the podcast because, well, we've been busy between Hurricane Ida as well as, uh, well, this, um, we thought it'd be best to put out something, um, and this episode is that thing. So, right before I was leaving, I recorded content for an episode that we ended up not going with. So the theme of that episode was about moving on and sort of moving forward, whether that be in a very literal sense or in the sense of relationships or friendships or even moving on from things like trauma. But we ended up not going with it primarily because of time, uh, timing issues. Uh, we weren't able to finish recording before I left, so it ended up only having about half the content that we were aiming for which still would have been about 30 minutes, but um, we wanted to go against publishing an episode that we felt was half-baked or um, not entirely pieced together yet that didn't really have a a full narrative to really follow. So that's sort of now the role of this episode, where I am now, well, in my dorm across the Atlantic in Germany, and things are hard. Now, don't get me wrong, this entire thing, it's its an amazing experience, to be sure, but, well, I don't know. It's a difficult thing to leave your hometown, or, well, one of your many hometowns, but... It's hard to leave behind the friendships that you've made, and all the useless information that you've memorized, all the places that you go to regularly, the things that you would order off of menus, or the places that you avoided because it gave you food poisoning that one time. I mean, you you dedicate portions of your mind to thinking about that constantly, because it's always relevant while you're there, but now I'm very distinctly not there and it's it's a struggle and the worst part about it is that I sort of assumed that it wouldn't be (laughs) and I get that that comes from immaturity and a lack of experience with well any of this but I think the biggest thing about it was I assumed that after COVID and spending so much time with my family and feeling just exhausted like socially, familially, like, just, I was tired. I wanted my own space, I wanted to be on my own, to be doing my own things, you know? I thought that this would be easy. I thought, if anything, the most difficult part was going to be maybe the culture shock, but (laughs) I was wrong, and I need to admit that I was wrong, because it's, it's very difficult, and I might have overestimated my ability to handle it. And of course, there's that portion of my mind that just wants to go home, as much as I know that that's not an option, because I have signed 
two contracts that last the next year and a half at least. So I'm kind of stuck here. Um, but I don't know. It's it's a unique perspective that I feel like people don't address. As much as I've tried searching through articles about homesickness and living abroad and all that, they constantly have these answers to these problems that, for me personally, I don't, I don't see as realistic. Like, I arrived in the city after a tumultuous, the, uh, very, very suspenseful and difficult period, uh, in which I was lost on multiple trains, and I ended up in the wrong city two times, but eventually managed to make it here. Um, and then my phone wasn't working because my SIM card didn't work in Europe, <laughs> so I had no data, and I couldn't get a cab, and I ended up walking the streets of the city for hours before eventually finding the place that I was staying at. Like, all of this stuff I never would have expected, because I thought it was just going to be seamless. I thought it was going to be some very easy journey, and while, yes, I expected there to be hard times, I didn't realize that the first day was going to be one of the most difficult days in recent memory for myself. And, um, of course I know it was difficult for my family too. That's not to negate their experiences because I know it was very difficult for them to just send their last kid off across the world on their own. Like it's a, it's a hard thing to do. And I never really expected it to be, I guess, as difficult as it was. I didn't expect to find myself laying in bed at, or uh, laying in bed at a hotel and just texting everyone that I could on uh, Wi-Fi, of course, because again, no data, and just trying to seek guidance from anyone that I could whoever I could reach, and it was like the middle of the night here, because that was when it was finally morning back home, and I don't know, it was, it's, it's still difficult. I've only been here now just over a week, and it, I want to say it's easier, but I don't know if it necessarily is. See, one of the biggest questions that I've had, and one of the things that no matter how many articles or how many blog posts you go to, I cannot get an answer as to whether or not it ever stops being terrifying. Because, of course, people are afraid before they leave, right? They're stressed before getting on the plane, they're stressed while they're packing, they're doing all of that, but then they get there, and then finally it's okay. But in my case, it was the exact opposite, right? I was off hanging out with friends my final night, and then I came home, and that morning I spent the last couple of hours with my family, and then I left, and it was... It was hard, especially as I was leaving at the airport and my mom hugged me and she wouldn't let me go. <laughs> but as much as that was difficult, I didn't expect myself to be in Seattle. And just before my flight left, I started just sobbing hysterically, so much so that I had to change out masks multiple times. <laughs> And it was embarrassing, because I thought that I was going to be composed, I thought it was going to be... I don't know, I, I knew that I was going to probably feel some strong emotion, some type of way, but... I never expected to feel so 
torn, torn between a new life and what I was used to. I was contemplating whether or not to board the plane. And I, I know the only thing that really stopped me was a conversation that I had with my sister in which she explained to me that the moment you step outside of those doors and you leave, that room is no longer your room and that house is no longer your home. It's just mom and dad's house. And that was a really difficult thing for me to accept and I didn't want to believe it, but spending my last night in what used to be my room and was now just this empty room that had a bed in it, just a random, I don't know, it, it was an empty guest bedroom. It wasn't my room that I had spent nights staring at the ceiling contemplating what I was going to do with my life, or the room that I had recorded episodes of this podcast in, or, I mean, the, the same room that I had spent so much time in and associated so many positive and negative memories with, but it was still my room. It was something that was mine, like, inherently. And then it just suddenly wasn't, and that was that was a very unfamiliar feeling. And it makes you want to go back. It makes you want to desperately claw at your past and drag it back to you kicking and screaming, but it it's not possible. As much as you want to, you can't. And I don't know if that makes any of this any easier or more difficult, but something about all of it is still terrifying to me because I know how much convincing I've had to do with myself regarding this. Like, I was in my room and as I was finally unpacking, because I, I finally moved into my dorm, or uh, my, like, my shared loft, um, or flat, or whatever it is, I was unpacking my things, and something about how few things I packed because I couldn't fit that many, it, it really hurt. <laughs> like, my closet space is unfamiliar, and it's barren, and all of the things that I used to claim as mine and wear regularly and have they're still back at mom and dad's house, and I can't get them, and that's, it's difficult. But the thing that really broke me was I had packed um, three Polaroids that I had taken over the last couple of weeks that I was there, so one was with me and my dad, one was with me and my mom, and then one was with uh, my friends, uh, Julian Jaisal, who I'm sure are listening to this. Um... And on the back of the photo with me and my dad, he had attached a sticky note that I hadn't noticed with a handwritten note. And, I don't know, something about that was just, it was really overwhelming. <laughs> because I realized just how far away from home I am. And it's, I don't know, I feel... I feel so many strong emotions pulling me all sorts of different ways, but more than anything, I feel terrified. And this feeling of complete isolation and alienation that I've never felt before, even, 
even back in eighth grade when I first moved to Anchorage from Fairbanks, I remember that I was, um, I was in my, uh, my social studies teacher, uh, her class, Miss Beck, and I was in her class for lunch every single day because I couldn't stand going to the cafeteria because I didn't know anyone there and I couldn't use my phone and I felt so unbearably alone. So I just stayed in her classroom during lunch and the small kindness that she would do was that she, um, she had these little like snack packs because I, I wouldn't go get lunch and I didn't pack anything because I didn't want to worry my mom. And I remember Miss Beck would always give me those during lunch and I, I never thanked her for that. And I'm not sure if she'll ever <laughs> hear any of this, but it was, it was those sorts of things, those small acts from strangers back home that as hard as it was to leave behind everything that I knew in Fairbanks, I still, I still had my family and I still had people who would extend kindness like that. And it meant so much at the time. And even now, in retrospect, it meant so much to me. But at the time, I was never able to really communicate that to anyone. Because I didn't want to admit that I was struggling. And I was struggling really badly. <laughs> and moving into high school and dealing with friend groups that had so much drama or imploded or whatever... I still had a through line of certain people and certain experiences, and that was enough. But when you move abroad, when you move across the world to a foreign country where you don't know a single person, it is difficult. And it is difficult in ways that you cannot describe because you sense this impossible feeling where you want to feel happy but you are miserable, and no matter what you do, every day, it just comes back, and you can't get rid of it, and it's so frustrating, because you want to be happy, and you want to be having good experiences, and you want to be just living your new life, but starting a new life is hard, and you don't realize that until you do it. As stupid and as obvious as that is, you don't realize how difficult it is until you are in the center of it and there's no looking back because through your own actions you've put yourself here. <laughs> and I don't know, that's, that's the biggest thing. I cried on the plane after I boarded it and during the flight. I cried for maybe five hours. I was dehydrated and I was exhausted and I couldn't sleep because I was so anxious and worried and just dreading all of this. But I got off the plane and despite all the difficulties of getting to the hotel, I held it together. And then as soon as I connected to the Wi-Fi, and as soon as I had the chance to, I called my parents and all of the emotions that I had been holding together for the hours and hours that I was stuck on trains and wandering the streets 
finally just broke through because I couldn't do it. And as much as I wanted to have a brave face on for my family, I couldn't do it because I was struggling. And in some ways, I feel like I still am because this process is still ongoing and it's so difficult. And it's hard to explain like the exact feelings of it because you there aren't words to describe it. <laughs> like, it's this yearning to go back home. As much as you hated being home, and as much as you hated the people there, and the people who you had to interact with, and the strangers who would insult you, and everything, you end up missing it. And you only miss it because it's so far away. You feel unbearably distant, much in the same way that you would, I'm sure, if you went far off to Mars. <laughs> like, I don't know. There's this inescapable feeling that you can't go back, and I have to deal with that. And I've been... I've been fine the last couple of days, and I've been trying to keep my head held high and just do the paperwork that I know I need to get through and sit idly by and wait for packages to arrive and slowly turn this dorm room that felt like a psych ward into something that I can maybe call home, but as much as I need to accept the fact that this is my home, it feels so wrong. It feels disjointed and messy and just perverse. And I don't know what to do about that. And no matter what things I ship from back home or things that I buy in an effort to make this feel okay, it doesn't work because it just makes me miss home all the more. <laughs> And that's the most frustrating thing. And I'm, I'm sorry about this episode devolving to just this, this, but I mean, these are the authentic feelings. And the whole idea when we created Berengia was based around the idea of like the Bering Sea Land Bridge, Berengia and bridging connections and this is like a trial run this is really what it's all about trying to bridge this unbearable divide that spans two different continents and an ocean <laughs> like i don't know it's it's bizarre and i i don't know what to do and I don't want to have Berengia devolve into this sad, soppy diary, <laughs> but I feel like it's an important lesson that when you move abroad, as much as you want it to be everything that you dreamed of, you realize that it becomes difficult because you have to be in the midst of it. Okay. <laughs> Composure reestablished. Yeah, 
I don't know, it's... I don't want to talk bad about this entire experience because it has been really interesting. Like, I've been meeting people so far and as <laughs> as direct as Germans are, they are also really nice once you finally have them warm up to you. But it's definitely, it's different. And I don't know if it's better or worse than it was in Alaska. It <laughs> It's interesting. I think that's the biggest takeaway and it's certainly not for everyone but as I was telling one of my friends last night one of the biggest things about this is even though it's a struggle and even though it's hard it's ultimately worth it because at some point you realize that you've already spent 18 years stuck in one place and in one frame of mind and you've only seen one part of the world and if you don't do it now, you never will. If you put it off and you're saying, oh, next year I'll go, next year I'll do X, Y, and Z, it won't happen because then that year you'll be busy because life moves on and you're not always able to follow along with it. So do it, whatever it is. If it is a trip that you've been planning for ages but you're unsure of whether or not you're confident enough in your language ability, then just do it. Because yes, it'll be hard, and yes, there will be nights where the world feels like it's caving in on you, but there are also days where you're out in the city, and you're just admiring everything around you, and realizing that yes, this is a place that you are calling home for, maybe it's only going to be the next year, but maybe it's going to be all four years. Maybe you'll be able to make it through all of this because each day you're waking up and you're getting more accustomed to your routine and eventually it's just going to be, well, your normal routine. The world will have changed around you and you're in a new unfamiliar place and yeah, calling back home makes you sad, but eventually you hope you can be happy where you are going and where you've arrived as really what other option is there you can just continue in your little town and stay with your parents or move to a I don't know an apartment with some friends but would you have been content doing that would that have actually satisfied anything for you I mean for some of us yeah but for others I don't think so I feel like if I was still stuck in Anchorage, I think I would be very, very miserable because I would be jealous of who I am right now. I would be very jealous that there is a version of me that was able to go do this. And I think the funniest part about that is that this was never the plan. <laughs> I never planned on this actually working. It was It was always a thing that I was going to be disappointed by because I had I had started planning in 7th grade of all things and I was imagining a version of myself that didn't exist and never will exist and it was just supposed to be this fun fantasy but I think what really destroyed that for me was when I got the acceptance letter <laughs> because then I had to really come to terms with the fact that yes I was going to do this because I mean, what's that if not a sign? 
I spent so much time doubting my ability and honestly I didn't put effort into school like I should have because I was dealing with so much whether it be bullying from other students who I mean God knows what they're doing now but I don't care I don't even think about them but I spent so much time desperately craving their approval and allowing them to beat me down daily and struggling with who I was and who I was going to be and how I fit into the world and all of those things were really difficult for me to figure out and they were made all the worse by having to come to those realizations in a small conservative town where it's not easy to be who I am and with family members who don't approve of who I am like it's it's difficult and I think that's why the Germany plan became an escape it became this fantasy this idyllic version of the future where I can just run free in Europe without the constraints and shackles of living in conservative America but I never intended for it to be realized because in all honesty especially in early high school when I was most obsessed I suppose with the plan I didn't expect to live this long I didn't have hope for myself. I had given up. The struggle had become insurmountable. And at one point in my German class, of all things, I remember instead of taking notes on whatever the lesson was that day, maybe the nominative form or dative or accusative or whatever it was, I just wrote in my little notebook where I was keeping all of my notes for German, I just wrote, I'm drowning. I just kept writing it and writing it and writing it because I felt like I was slipping beneath the waves and no one was throwing me a life ring or anything. And I could feel it taking me. And I don't know what changed. I don't know what happened to those sentiments, to those feelings, because now I don't feel that same way at all. And yeah, there are days where I wake up and I'm like, oh, I'm sad, but it's tangible. It has it has an answer to it. And I think that's that's another difficult thing about living abroad. You I don't know, you realize that you're maybe struggling with depression, but it's tangibly connected to something connected to wanting to go home and that makes it easier but it also makes it harder because you don't want to be dealing with those feelings and it's frustrating to know that the answer is that easy it's as simple as a plane ticket that you need to buy and you can afford it because you have the money in your bank account to do so but you won't because you know that if you do you won't be satisfied you won't be content you won't be happy. You'll just be comfortable in the same way that you were miserable, you know? There's this incessant need to be comfortable, but I think I'm slowly adjusting to comfort and discomfort. 
if that makes sense. Like, back home I might have been comfortable in my room, but every day that I went to school I wanted to die. Not through any fault of the school, I mean, well, some fault through the school, but just everything that was going on in my life. But now I wake up and, yes, I'm terrified and everything's scary and new, but it's also invigorating because I realize I'm surrounded by people who I've never met, who've never met me, who I will... I don't have to prove myself to in the same way that I would back home. Because back home, more often than not, you see friends, family, neighbors, strangers who know you, all these people who recognize you, and it's... It's... It's weird. You always feel like someone's watching you and judging you, because they are. That's not to say that people here don't judge, but it's certainly not the same. Just a few weeks before I left Anchorage, a woman confronted me as I was walking to Target, and she was insulting me as she walked out, and I didn't say anything, because I just... I was at this crossroads where I was like, do I need to prove myself to this random woman in her 40s who's insulting an 18-year-old? Like, no. But there are so many people back home who feel that the world deserves, or that the world owes them an explanation for things, and that they are the only ones who are right. And it's frustrating, because what they believe directly contradicts who you are and what you're doing and all of that. And you don't project how you want to live onto them, right? Like, you don't care what they do in their spare time. It's not going to impact you, and yet they obsess over what you do. They obsess over your rights to do things, and what you're doing in your spare time, or in the privacy of your own home, or even as something as simple as how you're dressed. And I don't miss that. And I know if I go back home, I have to deal with that again, and I don't want to deal with that. So... As much as it may hurt at times, and as much as I may be bitter or depressed or just upset and angry that I have to be feeling these sorts of ways, I ultimately know at the same time that I think I'm better off here, having to deal with those feelings here and now, rather than having to cope with what I was dealing with at home, because I I wasn't coping, I was struggling to deal with it. And that's a hard thing to admit. You know, it's hard to admit that you're struggling, but it's even harder to admit that the one thing that in your mind would bring you happiness right now, to go home and see your family and, I don't know, play with your dog, like all those basic things that you you honestly took for granted. It It's a struggle to admit that those things, as much as they would bring you this temporary euphoria, in the long term, you know, you'd just be miserable as you were. So I don't know. Lessons from abroad. (laughs) I think the most difficult part about this is that I'm not able to really talk to my co-host just because of the time difference, and we're both busy. I'm starting uni, she's already in uni, And, like, the most that we were able to talk was that first night when I was just struggling in that hotel room. Because I just, I didn't know what to do. And every part of my being wanted to go home. And I had to 
talk myself down from that ledge of wanting to just leave and give up. Because what, what can be gained by giving up, you know? Hurrah, you spent one day abroad, and that's all you could take. Or now you spent a week, but soon enough a week will turn into two weeks, and then three and four, and then that's a month, and then a month turns into two and three, and eventually it's half a year, and eventually it's a year. And I get to revisit this in a year. And hopefully by then, I mean, I hope by then, that things will be better, and that I, I mean, I'm, I don't know, again, I don't know if the terror goes away, but I hope that it kind of gets muted a bit by your experiences and by the people that you meet, and just everything. At least I hope that's what happens, but I have yet to really know, because I've only been here for such a small amount of time, I'm having to deal with such strong aversions to it, but I have hope for it, and I think that's really important to have, and it makes me want to keep pursuing things that I'm familiar with, like I'm, I want to keep up with the podcast, I want to keep our audience satisfied, or at least engaged with what's going on, because this isn't an everyday experience, you know, not every Alaskan journeys across the world to seek greener pastures, you know. Most of them end up either in Alaska or in, like, Oregon. <laughs> and I was not going to move to Oregon. But it, it makes me think of D.C. because I remember being so happy when I was in D.C., just seeing all of these new things and experiencing all these new things. And yet, at the same time, I... I don't think I understood just how tangible the loneliness becomes. But it, it would be so much easier to deal with it if I was living in the States because I'd be able to come home for breaks, you know? I'd be able to go back home and spend Thanksgiving with my family, which evidently now my friend and my cousin are trying to do without me, so I'm, I'm being replaced at my own Thanksgiving dinner. Um, which is hilarious, but I'm also kind of bitter about it. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's, I think there's definitely a learning curve, and I think thus far I'm adjusting to it, but I don't know. I guess the real trial is going to be in a couple days once university really starts, and I sort of get the feel for what that's going to be like, but as for right now, I have to edit this podcast, and then I'm going to go get groceries and pick up stuff to do laundry and resume what I guess is adulthood. I guess that's the biggest thing. You, you always expect when you're growing up that there's going to be this period of time in which you're going to be able to learn things and adjust, and without even realizing it, you're going to be an adult. But I don't think that really exists. I think that's a lesson that I've learned from all this. As much as you think you're prepared and as much as you've convinced yourself that you're going to be prepared for all of this, there is no period of time in which you have the ability to adjust. Like, luckily for me, I arrived here on the 7th and classes didn't start until the 20th, so they, they don't start for another four days. 
this is being recorded on the 16th, but I think it's hard to imagine what I would have done if I would have arrived here, like, today, if I would have arrived here on the 16th, I don't think I would have been able to make it, I don't think I would have been able to attend university so quickly, because I was completely shattered, I was destroyed by what had happened, and, I mean, those feelings are still there, I still feel difficulty in doing basic things, like, something as small as going and getting groceries and getting stuff for dinner makes me unbearably sad, <laughs> because it makes me realize that I'm not having dinner with my family anymore, and that's kind of hard, but I think one of the biggest things that's been stopping me is I have this really big problem going through what's in my closet and preparing things to get washed for laundry, just because like right now I'm wearing a sweater and it still smells like my mom's detergent from back home. Because <laughs> she made a note to do all of my laundry before I left, just like she does with all of the kids. And I can't get that laundry detergent in Europe because it causes cancer, which, yeah, that sucks, but... <laughs> it just... It's a... It's a sad thing because it... It smells like home. And that's it's temporary I think that's that's another big note like I packed shampoo, conditioner, and soap and just these essential things but slowly you use up all of them and eventually the things that you associate with home as simple as a bar of soap suddenly it's not because it's no longer the same one that you use and it's different it's different in small ways, but those small things are what really sort of determine what it is to you. I don't know. It's hard. It's really, really hard, but I think it's worth it. <laughs> Take it from me, the person stuck in a dorm, too afraid to visit the outside world for fear of, I don't know, reality. <laughs> I have to go pick up a package, too, that DHL refused to deliver. Just these, all these small things, and they're all so mundane, but they're all under this strange new light of just being weird, you know? They're all, they're all blocked by language barriers, and, like, luckily I speak German, so it's not super, super bad. But, I mean, it's, it's different. Every interaction is new and in ways frightening and I I think I always assumed that it would be like that but I never really contemplated how I would feel about it because I feel very very alone and that's with people that's with people around that's the worst thing I've talked to people I've gone out and gotten lunch a few times with my dorm mate, like, I've done all these things, but, I mean, it's, it's just weird, and it's hard, it's hard to explain, I think that's the worst part, because I like to imagine that I can describe these things with intricate feelings and terminology, but there's just this, 
unshakable sense of isolation because you're not around other Americans. And as much as you feel divided amongst them, as much as you hate some of them, you still share this underlying background, at least most of, most of them. I don't think I have much in common with Jeff Bezos, but um, for most average people, you still share a familiar sense of where you come from and how America is and your role within it. And it may not be good and you may be resentful of it, but at least you're familiar where you fit in. But when you move abroad, that feeling's gone, and you have to sort of find it again. And that's... that's difficult. But, yeah. Hopefully, Berengio will return with another episode soon. without another multi-month-long break, but then again, we were struck with a hurricane that caused my co-host to be evacuated, and then I was struck with a move date to a foreign country, so we've been a little bit preoccupied, but we'll try to get some more content out, and I don't know, I, I think we can do more now that no, we're we're starting to really live up to our name, I guess. <laughs> I know it's dumb, but I don't know. I'm hopeful for the future of Berengia, and I hope that I can keep you guys in the loop as to what's going on. Provide this sort of first-hand account of being a foreigner in a foreign country where... I mean, I, I'm not technically an immigrant, so I'm not going to stay here forever. Maybe. (laughs) But still, it's a familiar audience to reach out to, where we, we know what you guys are interested in and what you're not, and we need to put out more content. But I'm sure you guys are all aware it's difficult to keep up with everything going on, especially with COVID and... I mean, natural disasters, and university, and just life. Life is hectic, and it's hard to keep up with everything. But we'll try. So, thanks again for mushing through Berengia with us, and we'll catch you on the flip side. (laughs) 